Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, I'm speaking with Emma Spence. Now, Emma is a gymnast, but she comes to it in a very different way, in in several ways. One is, you know, we've talked to a lot of athletes in the past, a lot of collegiate athletes, a lot of Olympians, a lot of professional athletes in, in interesting sports. And it seems like the story normally goes that, hey, my big brother, my big sister was in this sport and I wanted to, you know, emulate them. Well, Emma is a little different there because actually her younger sisters were in the sport and she took after them a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about that. But the other interesting thing about her and being a gymnast is that she competes at the national level, you know, when it comes to competing against other countries. Uh, she's a Canadian gymnast, so she competes for Canada. But the difference is that she also competes at the collegiate level, which we'll talk about kind of the differences between, you know, the national team and competing uh, on the collegiate level. But most people don't do both. You know, when you're looking at the famous gymnasts from the U.S., a lot of them are just on the national team. They don't compete for a college. And we'll talk about why that's the case and why Emma didn't choose that same path, why she's she's doing both. She's got the, the best of both worlds. Um, one is a little, a little bit more uh, laid back than the other. I'll let you probably uh, realize which one that is. But she'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, she'll talk about kind of losing a passion for, for gymnastics at one point and how the college team actually kind of brought her passion back. I thought that was really, really interesting. We're going to talk about just what it means to be a a gymnast. Of course, you know, gymnastics is a sport that people start really young. You know, we've talked to, to other athletes and how they're, you know, 14, 15 when they're choosing what they want to do with their life. There's gymnasts that are already competing at the Olympics that young. So this is a sport that's just, you know, five, six years old that people are really, uh, really excelling. So it's a, it's a unique sport there that comes with some unique challenges. You know, I, we don't dive into it extremely hard because it's a, it's a very touchy topic, but there's been a lot of issues when it comes to gymnastics, definitely with the U S gymnastics team, when it comes to, you know, coaching very, very harshly when it comes to sexual abuse, which is, you know, reprehensible and things that uh, the U.S. gymnastics team has struggled with a lot. We're going to talk about that's kind of a, a systemic issue when it comes to gymnastics and how Canada has had their fair share of issues and so have a lot of other countries. I didn't want to dwell on that too much. We just spend a few minutes talking about that. It's, you know, we can't talk about this sport without acknowledging that. But also, I don't think it's fair to somebody who's devoted their life to this sport to dwell on that part there's so many great things about it and there's so many great things that are happening that we're trying to get past you know all the terrible things that happened in the past that i didn't want to didn't want to dwell on that when we're talking about so many amazing things that these athletes have done and uh 
there's been some 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 bad uh, adults in the room, but uh, that should not take away from uh, from all these accomplishments from from the athletes. So we do talk briefly about it. Uh, Emma is uh, is very very wise in, in the things that she says, uh, but uh, we move from from that relatively quickly. Uh, it, this was a fun conversation. I really really did enjoy speaking with her. You know, every country deals with the Olympics and, and the national team differently when it comes to sports. Uh, I think that uh, Canada is relatively similar to the U.S. team when it comes to gymnastics, but we do talk about some of those differences. We talk about the differences between the national events and the collegiate events. We talk about how her team at uh, the college level, which I haven't said yet, but is Nebraska, uh, how she she decided to join them, what their season looks like, what the national season looks like, what the rest of her uh, her career looks like in gymnastics and and uh, and beyond. Uh, when I spoke with her, she was about ready to go to Japan uh, to represent the the uh, the country, represent Canada at the G7 summit. This was several months ago when I spoke with her, so she's she's already went and she's already back and she's already competing, uh, I believe, for the national team now. So, um, fun conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy this, whether you're your interest in gymnastics, whether you're just interested in a really, really awesome story about a young person that's just excelled at so many things and, and has so much awesome things in, in store for us. So here is Emma Spence. I'm here today with Emma Spence. Miss Spence, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Let's kind of just jump into it with the most difficult question of the evening, and that's just introduce yourself. Yeah, so my name is Emma Spence. I am a gymnast. I compete on the Canadian national team as well as an NCAA gymnast at the University of Nebraska. Yeah, easy as that. And I want to kind of start at the very beginning, and that is, um, you know, I, I've talked to tons of of athletes, Olympic athletes, collegiate athletes, uh, people at all different levels, whether in the professional sports, but you have a really uniqueness to you where I normally ask, how did you you know, how did you get involved in your particular sport? About half of the people say, you know, I had an older brother, I had an older sister who was in the sport and I wanted to compete with them or I wanted to do that. And obviously when I'm talking to an Olympic athlete, normally they've exceeded their, their older sibling. That's a long winded way to say you're different because I think you had a younger sibling who was doing it, that you followed the path. Is that right? I did. So I actually have two younger sisters and the middle one got into gymnastics because she actually went to gymnastics birthday party once um, and that got her involved and she started taking classes. And then, yeah, pretty much she was able to do like cool flips and little cartwheels and stuff around the house one day. And I wanted to do that, too. So I started it. Uh, the three of us ended up doing it for a very long time. Uh, but, yeah, that's what got me into it. Yeah. And how, how old were you? You're talking about gymnastics birthday party. So I feel like everyone was pretty young. Yeah, so I would have been around seven, I think. She would have been probably five. And then the youngest one would have been around two or three. I think she would have been around three when she started. She started with the parent taught classes, but I started a little bit later. I gotcha. And I like to ask this too, and it's always surprising just because, you know, I feel like people revere their siblings. Maybe it's a younger sibling, so it's not the case, but you know, you you've done, you know, amazing things in your gymnastics career. Do you think that you're better than your than your siblings now? Uh, so now none of them do gymnastics anymore. But we all had different, different unique, I guess, styles within our gymnastics. 
one of them was super flexible. The middle one, she was very, um, very good with like, I guess the artistic side of it. The younger one was super powerful. Like she could do harder vaults than me at one point. Like she was really good. And then both of them ended up switching over to power tumbling and did that for a few years. And then the middle one was on national team for power tumbling for a couple of years. Hmm. The youngest one was national champion in power tumbling when she was just 11 years old. So, I mean, it's very hard to compare um, between ourselves because we were all at different levels, different ages. Um, and then we kind of did different sports for a while. But I'd say we all did a really good job within our family at um, just doing gymnastics and competing at that high level. It it sounds like it. And, you know, you talked about a, a sibling and even yourself getting into it pretty young and, and competing at a high level. What does the, because I, I don't know whether we've said it, but you're, you're from Canada. So it's a totally different area than a lot of the, the athletes I speak to from the U S I've talked to a few from different European countries too. Uh, but I wonder what it looks like the developmental side of gymnastics in Canada. Is it you know, the same way as here where people are in the, in the Olympics at 14, 15 years old. So that means they're developing at five, six, seven years old. I, I am assuming so, but kind of talk about the development process in Canada. Yeah, I would say it's very similar to the U.S. system. Yeah. So pretty much there's lo- provincial levels, uh, one, one to 10 that we would do when you compete those levels. Some of them are more, well, like level one to four is a little bit more basic. Once you get level five, it gets a little bit more competitive. And then you do that until about level 10. Then you go into the national stream, which would be there are three categories, novice, junior, senior. And those are based on the age that you are. And then that determines your category. And pretty much the highest one is senior, which is 16 plus. When you compete as a senior, you can compete at the Olympic, international, elite level pretty much. And yeah, that's pretty much the highest level. It all depends. Everyone has their own different stories and journeys on ways on getting there. Like I personally started at an older age than most people do that end up in the elite level. Usually they start out around two or three years old and do that their whole life. I I started gymnastics when I was around seven. I did soccer, swimming, dance. I did a bunch of other sports before that. Um, but everyone kind of figures out what works for them, what they want to do, and that leads them to where they are. So yeah, I'd say that's kind of how it goes. That's how it went for me. Um, I started off at level five, I believe when I was like seven or eight years old, I competed at that. They level five, seven, eight, nine. Back then there wasn't a level 10 in Canada. That was only a U.S. thing, but they recently switched over to make it more like the American system. And so yeah, I did novice, junior, senior, and I'm still a senior. So yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. And the other thing I, I wonder too, when it comes to you know, the early, early times of getting into this sport, and this is a unique thing, you know, in sports. And I wonder whether it's something that happens, you know, in, in the Canadian system too, where, you know, there's a lot of sports that isn't necessarily always maybe the best people, you know, with the most potential that actually succeed through these ranks. It's actually, you know, I don't know about gym gymnasts because I've not, you know, I've not interviewed a gymnast before, but when it comes to a lot of sports, you know, these sports as a, as a young person, it's not cheap. So a lot of times it's, you know, whose family can, you know, afford to send them through. And obviously, you know, it, it takes getting very, very good at it too. But there's a lot of people that are left behind just simply because of the cost of youth sports is so expensive, definitely in America. Is that the case in, in Canada where you, your, your parents had three people, three girls to send through? So, 
you know, that, that could get very costly if it's, it's the same as the U S system. Yes. I'd say it's probably also similar to the U S system. Uh, gymnastics is definitely a very expensive sport and I'm very thankful that my parents had us all doing it at one point. I know it got, it got challenging for a little bit, but once I started the national team, I got carded. So that means I get uh, government funding for competing for the country. So that was very helpful for us. Um, so yeah, it definitely was, it was a little tough for a little bit. Um, cause it is such an expensive sport and it just requires so much time. And then there's a lot of travel involved and, at the time I was young and like all of us were young, you can't travel by ourselves. So if we travel for a meet, our parents have to come and there's all that side of it that went into it. But I'm just, I'm very thankful that my parents allowed us to continue in the sport and got us to where we are today. So, yeah. Yeah. And what, what made you, I guess, keep with it, you know, keep that passion. There's, I feel like every young person plays soccer and everybody is, you know, does gymnastics, but people, quote unquote, grow out of it. Obviously you, you didn't, and you've been so successful. So is it because maybe that you were really good at it, that you kept with it? Or or what do you think drove that determination to, to be where you're at with it? Um, I would say that, yes, I was starting to get pretty good at it. And that was pushing me to want to do more and just see what my body was capable of doing. I also just really enjoyed it. I loved competing. I loved training. I loved being there with my friends. I thought being able to do flips was such a, such an amazing thing. It was so much fun and it was super cool. So uh, that was definitely something that kept me going as well. But yeah, I just it was kind of like day by day. I just kept doing it. I kept showing up at practice. I enjoyed it. And that's kind of what, t- what brought me here today, honestly. Yeah. And I want to kind of talk about the, the culture of, of gymnastics. Obviously, again, in comparing things to the U.S., which I'm going to stop doing, but uh <laughs> it's pretty well documented, you know, through a lot of different things that the culture here has not always been so great. And it's been downright alarming sometimes. What's the culture like in gymnastics when it comes to, uh, to Canada? I would also say that it's kind of the same worldwide. Like what happened in the U S it happens in Canada. It happens everywhere. Um, it's just, it's the culture of gymnastics, which is being People are really working hard at changing it. There's a lot of different groups and things working towards that. Um, But I definitely say that's the culture overall. It doesn't depend on a specific country. I think every country has its struggles with it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I guess I want to ask a little bit more about that when you're, when you're saying the, the culture, let's kind of pinpoint that. Cause of course with the U S we're talking about, you know, there's been issues with, sexual abuse towards children there's been issues with just working you know young kids too hard and, and a lot of injuries where what are we talking about when it comes to the canada because i mean i don't want to just gloss over when it comes to the culture are we are we talking about to the highest levels that there's there's issues in canada too or is it just some of the i guess areas where it's almost just as bad but the you know over overworking you know kids in in the sport I would say that there's probably some of all of the above that you just mentioned going on. Um, I know people are working hard on trying to find ways to lessen that and improve that so that it doesn't happen to many girls moving forward. And it's unfortunate that it happened to so many in the past. Um, yeah, I think there's all types, but I think it honestly goes down to that's just how the culture of gymnastics has been for so long and people are so used to it being that way and seeing good results. So having to change that 
is scary for some people because they don't know if they're still like for coaches, for example, they don't, they only know coaching that certain way. And even though it is abusive, that's how they were taught to coach and that's how it's been for them. So people are kind of in the process of relearning how to coach properly and figuring out the proper ways to achieve those results without having that abuse. And I think that's what's going on kind of all over the country, honestly. And something that's really hard with gymnastics is that we start at such a young age and you're in that sport and that environment for, from such a young age. So the little girls are so vulnerable at that age and they do what they're told. And that's kind of what, what starts that cycle. And I think that's, yeah, that's some of it. Yeah. And I want to move on and it's kind of my fault for putting, putting two really big topics together. But of course, when it comes to tough coaching and that kind of stuff, I understand you're saying that, you know, coaches are relearning and, and changing their ways there. But when I'm lumping them together, I just want to be clear. Obviously, when it comes to sexual abuse, there's no relearning and changing your ways there. That just has to be over with. There's an, I, so I don't want to, I don't want to put those two together. I, I assume that you're, uh, that you agree with me there. Yes, no, for sure. That's, that shouldn't be a thing at all. That shouldn't be associated with gymnastics. And it's very unfortunate that that's what people think when they think of the sport, it's starting to have that image. So yeah, I definitely agree with you. That is totally unacceptable. Right. Which I don't know whether, you know, I'm, I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I don't know if you know that that's where USA gymnastics is, is. So, I mean, that's kind of the the height of, of all of that. So let's, let's move on to, to your career. And I want to talk about joining the national team. You talked about how you got to the senior level, what age did that happen? And, and kind of what's the process of, of making it to the national team in Canada? Yeah, so I joined the national team when I was 13 years old. So I would have been a junior at the time. Uh, basically, how it works is it they use your results from competitions and then you get ranked on a point system based on all those scores that you get, the ranking you get, um, and then you get ranked in that order. And that's how they, they decide the national team. So I had a really good meet nationals in 2017 as a junior I was ranked second all around and I got a couple medals on the individual events and then after that meet I was put on the national team and I've been able to compete internationally for Canada ever since then um yeah basically you do have to earn your spot every year you have to prove that you're still working hard and continuing to push yourself to improve so that you can compete well for the country uh, and yeah, I've been able to stay on the national team ever since then. Now I'm a senior. I became a senior in 2019 and I've been competing internationally since then. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. I want to ask you too, because this is something that you mentioned in an, you know, in another interview I listened to, which is something I'd never really thought about how there's kind of two pathways in a lot of sports. And I, and it seems that way in gymnastics where people that are competing at the national level and just kind of doing those competitions and then competing at the collegiate level, I feel like, and please do correct me that it seems like, you know, the, the collegiate level generally when it comes to gymnastics are maybe a step, a step down when it comes. And I hate to kind of put it that way, but a lot of the national team gymnasts are maybe the, the really, really good ones. And then the ones that aren't maybe as good a lot of times, definitely when it comes to the U.S. are on collegiate collegiate teams. Is that the case? Talk about the differences. Tell me that I'm completely wrong, but explain that to me. So college gymnastics is like a level 10, level 10 competition, um, that level of competition, like I was explaining before. So it's below national level. You do have gymnasts that 
can compete national or international, I guess, and then compete the NCAA as well. It all depends on what you want to do, I guess. Like I compete internationally for Canada and I compete NCAA, which doesn't happen very often. People don't really do that. It's usually one or the other. Often you see people go to the Olympics and then they do NCAA because it's a little bit more fun and relaxed and you downgrade a little bit. Or lately there's been people that do both. You do NCAA and you compete internationally in the off season. And that's what I do, but not many people do that. But it's starting to get a little bit more common over the last few years. But typically people don't do that. Usually do just NCAA. Um, Sometimes people will try that elite path or compete elite and then do that. It really just depends on what you want, but the level of gymnastics is a little bit easier. The routines are a little bit shorter, uh, but it's definitely a lot more enjoyable because there's not as much pressure and stress on you every time you compete and you compete as part of a team. So even though for me, I compete internationally on a team, I am on Team Canada, I still feel pretty, like it's really individual and it's all on you when you go out there. But when you compete NCAA, it's a team, you have your team watching you, supporting you on the sidelines, cheering for you and just want what's best for you no matter what. And you're representing the school that you compete for at the same time. So yeah, those are kind of the differences. Um, I I really enjoy competing NCAA. I, this is my second year. I just finished uh, with Nebraska and it's been, it's been so much fun. It's so amazing. Having that support from your teammates is just, it's just something that you don't have in the elite world. And it's just something that I really enjoy. Yeah. And you may have just answered it, but what what made you, you just talked about how a lot of people don't do it that way. What made you want to, to do both? What made you want to do national team and uh, compete collegiately? All right. This is going to be kind of a long story. All right. <laughs> so basically I went to Olympic trials and I did that whole path back in 2020. There was COVID. So it was really, it was a different system and everything was different at the time, but I was prepping for the Olympics and going that path for a really long time. And then COVID happened and, there's a lot of other things that were happening within my gymnastics environment at the time. And I just, I don't know, after the Olympics, I really didn't enjoy what I was doing. And I realized that leading up to the Olympics, I just wasn't happy. And I wasn't, wasn't really having fun with what I was doing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try for the Olympics. And then I might just be done. Um, And this was all during COVID. I was thinking about this. And then Nebraska reached out to me and I was doing some more research on what NCAA gymnastics is because that's not in Canada. So I never really watched it or knew what it was. And it seemed so much fun. I talked to the coaches a lot and they were explaining it to me and it just seemed like such an enjoyable thing to do. So that's kind of what made me want to do it. I decided that um, I would commit to the University of Nebraska Nebraska, um, even before Olympic trials because I just was like, okay, I'll go to Olympic trials. I'll be done with the elite world and then I'll just move on to have fun and finish off the last four years of my career, just enjoying what I'm doing and having fun with my Nebraska team. And yeah, so by the time I got to Nebraska, I was very burnt out after Olympic trials and everything was over. I didn't really enjoy what I was doing. I wasn't a big fan of gymnastics at the time, if I'm being honest. And gymnastics here in NCAA with Nebraska has just cha- completely changed that for me. I found my love for the sport again. I found my passion. I really enjoy what I'm doing. I have really good teammates and support staff and coaches here. Uh, everything has really just changed my perspective on the sport. And I've just started competing a lot better because of it. And I was just in a really good place mentally and physically. So after our NCAA season was done, after my freshman year last year, I decided that I was going to try and compete for Canada again because I just I was like, I'm in a really good spot. I feel like I could have a good shot. Uh, and I just wanted to prove to myself that I could still do well and enjoy myself at the same time. 
So I really wanted to bring that uh, NCAA perspective and mindset that I found and bring it to my elite just to see what it could do. And it, I really, I didn't really have any goal or anything that I was really expecting out of it. I just mostly wanted to prove to myself that that's what I was capable of doing. So last year I went to Canadian championships. Uh, I had a pretty good meet and then, and I actually enjoyed myself and had a good time. And that was the main goal of me going there for me. And then I ended up going to Commonwealth games. After that, I qualified for worlds in the fall. And then I went to worlds and here I am. I decided to be, to do both. I'm just, I'm in a good spot mentally and physically. And I just felt like I was capable of doing it. And it started just because I wanted to prove to myself that I can enjoy my sport and I can do well and I can compete internationally too. So it was more starting off just to prove to myself that, but now I'm figuring out how it works and I'm managing both. So yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love that. So it sounds like maybe doing it, the collegiate path kind of saved your gymnastics career it made you kind of re-fall in love with the sport find your passion again and then maybe it's leading to uh to further success at the national level if it, if what you're saying is I, i'm hearing what you're saying right right yeah yeah for sure it definitely helped me find my love for the sport and it just regained that spark that i lost for a long time and i i didn't even know if i was gonna find it back honestly i was like okay i'm gonna try this ncaa see ncaa thing see how it works and if it doesn't, then I guess I'll be done. But it was kind of like my last shot to see if I would enjoy what I was doing again. And it definitely worked. Well, j- just to to pick on pick on Nebraska just a second, because obviously I'm in Indiana. You know, I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a graduate of IU. Is it is it just is it because that's who came calling? Why Nebraska? Um, mm-hmm. I feel like yeah, I don't know where you're from in, in Canada, but there's not a lot, not a lot of happening in Nebraska. So what was that like when you, when you showed up there? Uh, okay. So first of all, I'm from Cambridge, Ontario in Canada. It's a pretty small town. If there's a, it, yeah, it's a pretty small town. I'd, I'd have to say that, but I do love it. I like the small town. Um, and I knew that I didn't want to go to a big city or anything when I did go to the U S just because I like that kind of vibe. Um, yeah, Nebraska reached out. I did. I was in touch with another school for a little bit too, but Nebraska is just, I really enjoyed the coaches, what they had to say, what they had to offer, the new facilities here and the academic side of it. Just everything that the student athlete experience had to offer at Nebraska was very appealing to me. So I decided to go with it. And the coaches were just very accepting, I would say, of my situation. I was very open with them about how I felt with gymnastics and what I wanted to gain from my experience at Nebraska. I told them that I didn't really enjoy what I was doing. And I I wanted to find that love for the sport again. And I was like, I've heard that NCAA is very fun and you guys are good at helping people with that. And they were very accepting and supportive. And I just, I really enjoyed them. And I really want to continue my gymnastics career with them, basically. Yeah. So what does a, what does a gymnastics uh, season look like at the, the collegiate level? What, what time of year is it? Are you just, are you doing meets versus one other school? Is it like a bunch of schools? Talk a little bit about kind of the whole uh, whole structure of a, of a collegiate gym, gymnastics season. Yeah, so honestly, our preseason starts in about August, September. I'd say uh, September. Probably the beginning of September is when our preseason starts. All the way until December, we get we do a lot of hard workouts in the weight room, in the gym, lots of cardio, and we start building our routines for the season. And then our first meet is the beginning of January, and we compete January to April. Yeah, we have about, I think it's about 12 meets this season. So it's almost one every week, every week or so, every weekend. 
Um, we compete against some Big Ten schools. We compete against some schools that are out of conference. And then we end up competing at a Big Five ch- Big Five championships, which is half of the Big Ten schools. Because for gymnastics, we only have 10 Big Ten schools that do gymnastics. And then we have Big Ten championships. That was in March. And then regionals. Sorry, all of these are blending <laughs> in right now. Um, and then we do regionals. And then if you do well at regionals, you qualify to nationals. We ended up finishing our season at regionals. We didn't have the best meet there, but we were very proud and happy that we made it to regionals this year. So that's where our season ended this year. But we ended, we were happy with how we did. We could have done better, but we did better than last year. And that's what we were hoping to do. So yeah, that's kind of how it works. You compete a lot. It gets very challenging mentally, physically to just stay on top of it, uh, stay healthy, keep your body okay. I compete all around. So each of those meets, I competed all events. So in total this season, I competed 48 routines mm. in four months. So that was crazy because in or in elite, you only compete like four or five times max, probably like you don't compete very much at all. So that's been very challenging and different competing NCAA. And, but yeah, that's kind of how the NCAA season works. And then I compete internationally. So how that works is I go to Canadian national championships at the same in May. Yes, I go to that in May. Sorry. And then I potentially compete for Canada in the summer and then in the fall. So kind of on the off season of NCAA, I compete internationally. Mm. So it's, it's very hard to find the off season for me, but that's yeah. kind of how it works. Um, I want to kind of talk about your time now going into the national events. And first, what's it like? You know, you've talked about competing at different games in uh, in Canada and then the Commonwealth Games. What is it like representing your country? Obviously having that Canada on your on your chest when it comes to uh, you know other other countries. That's always a, a special thing when you can represent your country. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's such an amazing feeling. And honestly, like I said, I started this sport just because I love doing it. I never saw myself competing at the national level, international level. I, I really just was taking it one one day at a time and enjoying what I was doing. And I honestly, I used to see the big girls doing their skills. And I was like, that is so scary. I never wanted to do that. Like, I was set on not doing that. But over time, I just I got better and better. And things worked out for me, I started competing national level. And then um, yeah, here I am. And it's just it's been so amazing. Every opportunity I have to compete for Canada is, is just such a blessing. And it's just it, it's the feeling is so hard to explain because it's something that not many people get to do and just getting those new leotards every time and the new gear. It's just, it's very rewarding. And it's, yeah, it's such an honor. It's so hard to explain it, but it's such a good feeling. It's so amazing. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine. And I know, I think you told me that you, you've got something coming up. You're, are you going to Japan soon? Talk about that. Yes. So a couple of weeks ago, I got asked if I wanted to be the Canadian representative at the G7 conference in Japan, mm-hmm. um, gymnastics athlete conference in Japan next week. And I accepted it. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be an amazing opportunity. They're sending me to Japan next week. And the event, there's basically going to be a lot of um, a lot of media conference opportunities. We're meeting with the prime minister. We're re- meeting with some mayors of different cities. Uh, we're touring Hiroshima. And yeah, we're meeting some little kids. It's going to be a pretty packed week, but I'm really looking forward to it. It's such an amazing opportunity. And yeah. Now that sounds awesome. I guess as somebody in higher ed, that's that's what I do for, for my day job. 
this is kind of an interesting time of year, maybe for, for college. How are you, how are you fitting this weekend in Japan? Yeah. So this week has been super stressful. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm trying to get as much schoolwork done this week so that I don't have to worry as much next week when I'm away. I'm missing some exams, so I'm going to be doing that this weekend or towards the end of this week just to get that out of the way so I don't have to worry about it when I'm gone. Um, but yeah, during season, we figure out how to manage our time very well because we do miss a lot of weekends for being away or some days of the week, too, for traveling for competition. So my teachers were already aware of me doing that this semester, so they were actually pretty accepting and easygoing with it. So I'm very thankful for that. It's been good. Yeah. And I don't want to just kind of gloss over the academic side of thing. What are you, what are you going to Nebraska for? What's your major? So I recently just switched my major probably a month ago. Uh, now I'm doing communication studies with a minor in psychology and a minor in education. That's awesome. What did you switch from? Speech pathology. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, so I'm kind of- I, I'm an advisor, so what I'll tell you is the average person switches three, if not four times. So if you're just going to switch once, you're doing just fine. No, this is actually, this is my second time, uh, but hopefully sorry. my last. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, th- I don't know. I think this is going to be good for me. I'm looking forward to it. I start those new classes in the fall. Well, I guess in the summer, I'm taking a class, so I'll be starting that soon, but I think I'm going to really enjoy it. I love it. That's awesome. I, I want to talk about back to kind of, gymnastics what are because this always surprises me too because i don't really think of the different parts of people's bodies that they're they're using in the sports is is not always what i think is going to be the most common injury so what are some of the most common injuries when it comes to gymnastics and also i realize that you know gymnastics there's so many different events that probably you know there's different injuries depending on what what you uh what event you compete in but what's some of the common ones Definitely ankles is probably the most common. I mean, you're jumping up, doing some flips and landing back on your feet. And sometimes it's like just one second off or something off, like you land wrong and your ankles are gone. So not to put it, but yeah, straightforward. That's kind of how it goes. Your ankles get injured quite a bit. Um, Knees too. There's a lot of knee injuries, Uh, elbows, back. Also back is a very common one just because you're always arching or bending or something with your back, there's usually some kind of injury that happens with your back throughout your career as well. But yeah, I mean, those are probably the main ones, shoulders too. But it's hard to tell, honestly. It's And it usually happens with um, some kind of landing too. Like those are the big injuries, like a wrong landing, which isn't too hard to do. Uh, like just one mistake, one small mistake, one second off, half a second, not even a second off, and you land the wrong way and you're injured. So you have to be very mindful and aware of what you're doing at all times to avoid that and just uh, do a lot of prehab, rehab kind of stuff just to prevent those injuries from happening. Yeah, well, you said you said knees, ankles, shoulders, back. That seems like quite a, that seems like most of the body. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, a lot. Like there's nothing, I wouldn't say there's one really specific thing because yeah. it's just, it's kind of easy. Like there's, it, there's so much wear and tear in your body with everything you do. Like you're on your hands for, for a lot of it too. You're on your hands, you're on your feet, you're flipping. Yeah. There's a lot going on a lot. Yeah. So do you think that, because uh, obviously when it comes to gymnastics and definitely competing in the Olympics, other than a, a few people from, you know, and they make like headlines, most people in, in, at the high levels are, are relatively young. Uh, well, not relatively. They are really young. I feel like 
you know, if you're over probably 25, a lot of these times you you've aged out of the national system. Is it because there's so many injuries and it's so hard on you that you just can't sustain it forever? Or, or, or what do you think that the case is? Honestly? Yeah. I think that's definitely a big factor in that uh, your body just gets so sore and it's very, it gets very hard to manage it, especially if you started at a young age, all of that pounding for years, it makes it very hard to continue. So I feel like that's definitely why uh, yeah, people stop doing it at that age, especially by the end of an NCAA career. A lot of people are like, okay, I'm ready to be done. Like my body's done kind of thing. Yeah. Knock on, knock on every piece of wood. Have you had very many injuries in your career? Uh, honestly, I've been pretty good. Like usually overuse things. I broke my foot from a bad landing before I had some back issues, just overuse knees. Like I, nothing major. Like I've been pretty good. I've had a couple of concussions from landing on my head, but uh, <laughs> nothing too crazy. I've been pretty lucky, honestly. I want to now talk about, I guess your, your favorite event. You talked about how with Nebraska, you're all, all around. So you do all the events, which sounds crazy to, to do all of them, but what is your favorite event? And maybe what's the events that you're doing at the national level? So in NCAA and at the international level, I usually compete all around. Uh, so I compete all of them. Um, my favorite to train is bars. My favorite to compete is floor. My best event, I it honestly depends on the meet. Like sometimes I score better on one, sometimes I score better on the other. I don't really have a specific one, and I think that's what makes me an all arounder. Like usually, my best event is all of the events combined, which is that all around score. Mm. So that's kind of how it goes for me. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like to to a lot of people to hear that your your favorite event to train as bars, your favorite event to compete as floor. What What's that mean? Why is that the case? So I just think bars is so much fun to do. Like trying new skills and swinging around is really fun without that pressure of being in competition. Um, Cause it gets a little bit nerve wracking to compete it because it's so easy to fall off of bars. Mm -hmm. So like there's no stress, no pressure, just training bars is a lot of fun for me. Uh, competing floor is my favorite because you have the music you get to play around with the crowd a little bit with your dance. It's just a lot more involved with um, your surroundings, I guess. And in training, it's kind of boring because you're just doing the same thing every day. But then when you compete, it's like a performance and you get the crowd involved, you get other people watching. And yeah, it's just, it's a performance. I really enjoy that part of it. I want to now talk about floor because I know that's, you, you talked about in another interview that that was maybe your favorite to compete. So that's, that's the one I have more questions about. And that is how does, these floor routines get get made as far as the choreography, the songs that you're you're performing it to. What, what's that look like? And is it different when it comes to the national side and the collegiate side? So I think it all depends, honestly, on the club and the school where you compete for, train for. Um, for me this year, I chose my floor music. Hmm. So that was really fun. Usually in NCAA, you have a lot more freedom of choosing what you want to do. In Elite, it's a little bit more strict sometimes. But so I chose my floor music and then we have a choreographer that they had do the floor routine with the music. And then she taught me that floor routine um, in, in elite. It's sometimes similar. I think it really just depends on the club. Sometimes they make you do a certain music or sometimes you get to choose your own and then you learn the dance routine that way. Sometimes people let you come up with your own choreography. I'm personally not the best at coming up with stuff like that. So I just let the choreographer do it. Uh, and then one difference between NCAA and elite, 
with the floor musics is that they're a lot more upbeat and fun in NCAA. You get the crowd involved a little bit more. Your teammates are dancing on the sidelines. But when you're an elite, it's a lot more kind of more serious. It's gotten a lot better. It's gotten a lot more fun throughout the years. But overall, it's a lot of it's more focused on like perfection, perfecting everything, um, more detail oriented. And it's a lot less on like having fun and enjoying it. But I don't know. I started, I did my NCAA routine in my elite season last year and it was really fun and everyone had a lot of good feedback on it because it's different. People don't usually have that kind of upbeat, um, fun floor music. So I'm going to keep doing that. I enjoy that. That's more my favorite style, but it also depends on the person and, um, their dancing styles. Like if they're better with slow, more calm, like long movement extension dances, then they're going to have a more slow music, but if they like the more upbeat, quicker dances, they'll have a faster song too. So it all depends on the person and where they come from, I think. So is it just in, in floor that kind of is a is a rhythmic dancing type thing that you have choreography or does, does you know, whether you're on the bars or the pummel horse, is there choreography there? Or is it really just doing the tricks that you can do? I I, I don't know. So when you compete bars, for example, like you have a set routine that you have to do. So, you know, each what skill goes after each skill. It's like a combination. I guess the whole routine is a big combination of skills. And you just you train that same combo every day. So, you know, that that's how the routine is going to go on beam. You also have dance. So you do a certain amount of skills, but you also dance in between um, to make the routine flow better. And you have some turns and some jumps that you also have to compete. So. I'd say the beam is also one that you have to choreograph dance to. Um, it's not as much as floor because you don't have the song that goes with it, but uh, you have some dance that you do in between your skills there too. And vault, you just you just vault, you just run and you do the flip, and that's kind of it. It's the quickest one. So yeah, and then floor is definitely the most. You dance, you have music, you have people cheering, dancing on the side. It's a lot more involved. It is women do pole? The pummel horse is men, isn't it? Yes, men do pole. I remember one thing, and it's already the wrong thing. I, I did my best. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so, you know, when it comes to that choreography, you said you have to work with the choreographer. Obviously, there's tricks, which I'm sure is the wrong word, but there's, there's you know, skills that you're doing within the routine. Are you working hand in hand with the choreographer to make sure that whatever they put in there you can do or vice versa or, you know, the other way around where, you can do more technical things than they're putting in there. How do you make sure that it's, I guess, maximizing your, your abilities? Uh, you just, it's just that relationship that you have with that person communicating what you're good at, what you're, what you're a bit weaker at, I guess, so that they don't put that in. Sometimes they'll watch your past routines just to see uh, your style and what you're capable of. And that determines what they'll do for this routine. Um, but it, it depends on the choreographer, I think, but those are the experiences that I've had with mine that I've worked with, uh, you just communicate with what you can and can't do. And if there's something that you can't do, sometimes they'll teach it to you so that you can do it. Or sometimes you'll just drop it and be like, okay, we'll figure something out. What has been the most rewarding part of being a, uh, being a gymnast for as long as you have? Um, I would say competing. I think, yeah, for, for a while before I started NCAA, I definitely say competing internationally. That was definitely um, just such a crazy experience for me being able to travel to a new country, meet new people, uh, understand new cultures, and then just compete representing my country. That was huge. That was definitely the reward from those hard days in the gym. That's what I would look forward to the most. 
And now in NCAA, I'd say it's still competing, even though it's not internationally. I mean, it is the U.S. and I, all the different I haven't been here very long. And each like state, I guess, that I go to is usually new for me. So that's been exciting as well. Um, and just competing with my team. That's what's been so amazing in NCAA. I have my team standing right by me on the floor. They're like right on the sidelines. And that's something you can't do in elite. And that's been so special. Just I don't feel like I'm alone when I compete out there. And I just I know my team's there. And that's just something so special. Does IU, does Indiana have women's gymnastics? No, they don't actually. They don't. Well, then I can be a Nebraska fan then, right? Yeah, there you go. I, uh, so, I mean, obviously the other side of things and you, you mentioned earlier that you kind of fell out of love with the sport at one point. So what's maybe the, the not so great parts of the, the lows when it comes to, to being a, a, a gymnast? There's just so much time involved. I would say, I like think back then when I was just doing elite, I was training almost 30 hours a week. Uh, I had to miss school. I only went to school in the morning and then I would train every afternoon so then I have to do online classes later to make up for the classes I'd miss in the afternoon. So it was just very time consuming. It would take up my weekends. I couldn't go on trips. I couldn't hang out with many people. That was hard. That definitely, took, it just takes a lot of time, but that's part of the sport. And you learn that at a very young age. Like if you want to succeed and you want to be really good, you have to put in that work and all that time. Um, another thing, definitely the culture thing had an impact on me. Uh, I'm not going to dive in too much on that, but the environment, the environment I was in was toxic and very hard for me to be in for a long time. And that stuff that definitely drained me as well. It just wasn't enjoyable. I wasn't looking forward to going to practice anymore. A lot of things that I had related to the sport just didn't seem enjoyable anymore because of that. Um, so that's one thing that when I moved to the US and I was in this new environment, that's that had a huge impact, just being surrounded by good people with good intentions and just good teammates really helped change that for me and helped me love what I was doing again, because it was just so positive and supportive. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about you, you know, your, your family and all this, we just talked about maybe, maybe there were some, some lower points and things weren't as, as great as you wanted them to be. They they've been there through, through most of it. So I would, I would assume that where you're at now, you're at a good place with it. You're still competing for Canada. You're, you're competing at the collegiate level. What do they think of, I guess, all that you've achieved? Uh, my family has definitely been my biggest support system throughout all these years. Uh, I, my sisters are my best friends. Like we're a very close family. So uh, yeah, I mean, one thing that's definitely challenging is being in the U.S. So they can't watch all my meets in person, but they watch all of them online. Even my international ones, they get up in the middle of the night if there's a big time change to watch those meets. And it just means the world to me having their support. Like they've, they've always wanted what's best for me and they've been willing to do what it took for me to be it where I am today. And I'm just, I'm so thankful for them. They're so supportive and so caring and just, they're just amazing. No, I, I love that. I want, I want to know kind of in wrapping things up, what, what's the, the future hold for you? You know, we, we never, we never truly know. Obviously we know next week it holds going to Japan, which is amazing. <laughs> um, but what, what do you, what do you hope, you know, you're, you're, you're doing in a, a few years and then, you know, a, as a whole. Yeah. So my plan right now, um, I'm going to finish. So I'm going to, sorry, there's a lot. Okay. Sure. So, uh, next year is Olympic trials. So I'm going to, I'm planning on going to that, going to try out for the Olympics next year. That's what I'm thinking right now. I don't want to put too much pressure on it because you never know what's going to happen, but 
so far that's in my plan. I'm going to plan on going to trials, but I'm also going to be competing NCAA for Nebraska next year too. Uh, I have two more years here. So next year will be my junior year. Then I'll finish off my senior year. Um, then I'm going to graduate. I don't know what job I want to do yet. I'm kind of just taking it day by day, honestly. I don't know what's, what country I'm going to live in. I don't know if I'll stay in the U.S., if I'll go back to Canada or not. Yeah, I'm just taking it day by day. I've been getting a lot of cool opportunities lately, like such as going to Japan. So I'm just mm -hmm. taking advantage of those, gaining that experience and hoping that that's going to help me determine more uh, more clearly on what I want to be doing. I, uh, I, I don't think I'm going to be a coach. I'm not like people ask me that a lot in these kind of interviews. I don't I don't see myself coaching, but I mean, you never know. Um, I do work with FIG, which is our international governing body for gymnastics, and I'm on their safe safeguarding working group there. So we are actually working on changing the culture of the sport, making it more enjoyable and safer for everybody around the world. And I've really enjoyed working with them. I could see myself um, potentially doing something with them in the future. Uh, if I do stay working with the sport of gymnastics, I feel like that's more of the path that I will go go towards. But I mean, you never know. Things aren't things change, and I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Do you think that you, you think the sport could use some people in communications? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think so for sure. Yeah. Any way that we can just help that bridge, I think between the the athletes and the coaches, and improve that communication will help in many ways, including the abuse that has been happening for so long in the sport. So I don't know, maybe if I can figure out ideas on ways to use my communications major to help with that, I would definitely look into it. Yeah. I, I love it. So if people want to, want to follow along, they want to see, you know, what, what you've got coming up when it comes to the, the summer, the future further out, how can people connect with you? Uh, the easiest way is probably through my Instagram. I use that the most. I believe it is underscore Emma Spence. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, uh, YouTube. I got, yeah, I have TikTok too. I don't use those as much. I use Twitter kind of often. People usually tag me in there um, for things like this too. I think that's Emma underscore Spence 13. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, probably through social media would be the easiest. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'll put all that in the show notes. We'll make sure we've got it all. The understore is correct, but I, uh, I appreciate you. I really, really a uh, fascinating conversation. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. So that was Emma Spence. Appreciated her time very much. I learned so much about gymnastics. You know, I, I mentioned a, a event that is just for men. So it just shows you how much I don't know about the sport. I think that, you know, just like most people, the world of gymnastics really kind of hits you in the face for, for a good reason when it comes to the Olympics and seeing these people do such amazing things, you know, the physicality and, and being able to uh, flip and turn and do twists and somersaults, all that is so amazing. It captivates the world when it comes to, to gymnastics. And then, of course, the, the terrible parts that we, we talk about, too. Uh, gymnastics has, has had a bad rap because there's been some really bad actors in it. Uh, when it comes to the coaches and the medical professionals and, and those type of things. So I, I really enjoyed learning more about, about gymnastics, more about the amazing people in it when it comes to the athletes and the, the great coaches uh, that, that do exist. They, they far outnumber the bad ones. Uh, when it comes to learning about national team versus the collegiate level, 
when it comes to just learning about Canada uh, and how it's it's you know slightly different when uh, when we're when we're talking about the U.S. and and Canadian team uh, in gymnastics. I uh, I do want to say you know a couple episodes ago when I was talking to an athlete I talked you know told them about this this damn broken toe that I I had. This is this during the same time I did mention it to Emma. I spared you spared you the whining there. I will sum it up and what she said. You know I, I I whined on about it for several minutes. Here's what she said. Yeah, broken toes happen. We deal with it. Maybe puts you out for a week or so, but uh, they're a lot tougher than I am. So, <laughs> going looking back, uh, I I was just so fixated on that because man, I was limping. It was awful. Uh, but I didn't make you listen to that whining. I just made you listen to to thirty seconds of it now. So, you're welcome for that. I apologize to Emma for having to uh, to deal with me uh, me just having a, a life changing moment that is just a. Uh, blip on the radar for them, and they get back to uh, back to work. So, I I really appreciated Emma's time. Uh, like I, I mentioned, learned so much. Hope you did too. Hope you enjoyed uh, this conversation. Amazing things in store for for Emma. We talked several months ago, so she's doing awesome things as we speak. Go check out her her social media. All the links to that will be in the show notes. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, appreciate you being here. Go on Apple, go on Spotify, leave those five-star reviews on Apple. If you want to leave a written review, even more amazing. Go follow us on Instagram, Not Enough Podcast, jacksnuff.com, Not Enough with Jacksnuff on Facebook. A lot of a lot of places you can uh, follow along. A lot of amazing guests in the past you can you can check out. A lot of amazing guests in the future. Uh, so uh, appreciate you being here. We'll see you next week. Take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.